Hello there, and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent, and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Solomon Ashams in Abuja, Nigeria, and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we have interviews with two Nigerian stars. John Mikel Obi talks about some of the organisational mistakes that have affected Nigeria and the importance of being well prepared throughout the 2018 World Cup qualifiers. Uh, we know what's at stake and we are trying to make sure we, uh, we put things right and make sure we don't miss out uh, in Russia. Also, we speak to midfielder Orgeni Onazi on his move from Italy to Turkey and hear about his football and his faith. If I don't play football, I think I'll go into gospel music because that, is, that has been my passion right from small. Plus, Stuart takes a look at the other Africans playing in Turkey and we focus on the English Premier League too, where Arsenal manager Arsene Wenger says he doesn't want to retire. But we start off with the CAF Champions League as Mamelodi Sundowns of South Africa became only the second side from Southern Africa to win the competition as they beat Zamalek of Egypt 3-1 on aggregate despite losing the second leg 1-0. Well, the only other Southern African team to win it were Orlando Pirates, also from South Africa. They took the top prize in African club football back in 1995. Well, Sundowns look like such a well-assembled side. Uh, what do you make of their victory, Solomon? Well, Steve, I must say congratulations to Mamelodi Sundowns. Uh, Sundowns have shown that though other teams in South Africa have not shown incredible interest in playing in the Champions League, you know, uh, the owner of uh, Mamelodi Sundowns, Patrice Mosepe, he's always been subjective to, you know, not just dominate South African football, but to really dominate African football. And through that, he has uh, employed over the years great coaches, Brazilian coaches, European coaches, and he settled for Pizzo Mosemani, the former South African, uh, that is Bafana Bafana coach, and and he did incredibly well. Assembled a great team of great players from across the continent. There's the goalkeeper Denis Onyango, uh, which for me I think he's the best goalkeeper on the continent right now. There is uh, Kamat Billiet, the Zimbabwean striker, and there is uh, Dolly uh, Keegan, a uh, local young footballer coming up. Although they lost in the last. Uh, qualifying game before the group phase to AS Vita. AS Vita was then disqualified for using a player that was not eligible and tossed they qualified and came in uh, to the back door some people said. But they've really shown uh, you know what really African football is really all about so it is not really a surprise for me winning that first leg 3-0 in Pretoria before going to Egypt and losing 1-0 they really deserve to go and represent Africa at the World Club Championship uh, I feel they're really going to dominate African football for a few years to come and it is good to see also <laughs> another name outside of the usual suspect like Al Khali or Tipi Mazembe winning this uh, championship and I hope that we're going to see other teams that have never won it before playing well to be able to make their mark. Yes, some inspiration may be for other nations and big congratulations to Sundowns of South Africa, the champions of Africa. So they go to the FIFA Club World Cup in Japan in December. 
Well, now to our interview with Nigeria and Chelsea midfielder John Mikel Obi, who captained Nigeria at the Rio Olympics in August as they won the bronze medal. Well, besides that, this has been a difficult year for Nigeria, with the senior men's team failing to qualify for the Nations Cup for the second time in a row. Olawashina Okaleji spoke to Mikel and asked how important it is for Nigeria to qualify for the 2018 World Cup, where they made a winning start away to Zambia. I think um, for us, I think it's very important for us to uh, qualify uh, for this World Cup. Obviously, we've missed uh, we've missed starting the past uh, two African Cup of Nations, uh, which. Uh, it's not really good and it's not really the standard that uh, Nigeria should be in and um, I think we're trying to we're trying to correct those uh, mistakes uh, now with this World Cup um, so uh, it is very crucial for us um, it's crucial for the country it's crucial for us as players uh, we know what's at stake and we are trying to make sure we uh, we put things right and make sure we don't miss out uh, in Russia so you look at the entire crazy build up to the um, games that you guys played. I mean, you are more experienced with that because of the Olympics. You mean yeah. landing on the girl, on the day of the match, yeah. and now going to the um, World Cup qualifier. The same problems. Do you think fans or officials don't really get to understand the, the sacrifice that you guys put on the pitch and off it? I think sometimes, yeah, it's difficult to say it because sometimes uh, people always uh, jump on the negative um, so quickly, and um, sometimes it's quite difficult. But you always have to. You always have to make sure you you give your best. Um, I think playing for your country is the ultimate prize. Uh, you have players always happy to 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 represent their country. I'm always honoured every time I'm uh, you know I'm being called upon to represent Nigeria. I love playing for my country. It is where I'm from. I love my my fatherland and. Um, I'm sure sometimes people appreciate it because when you walk down the street, you see pu- the public, the fans uh, screaming your name and shouting your name and saying how much they love you. I'm sure they, they do. A lot of them do. And um, so um, we just have to keep going and keep making our country proud and performing well. That's John Mikel OB speaking to Oluwashina Okaleji. Now, Mikel highlights some of the organisational mistakes that have affected Nigeria, including arriving at the last minute for the Olympics and, too, for that World Cup qualifier against Zambia. He sounds very patriotic there, and, of course, there's no doubt that it's an honour for a player to represent their country. But, uh, Solomon, do you think it makes it OK, then, for the players to be treated badly? It is not okay, Steve, to uh, treat uh, players badly, especially players that are representing their country, taking the pride to represent Nigeria. It has been a culture within the Nigerian Football Federation to uh, be ill-prepared for games, not paying attention to details, not inviting players uh, on time, sometimes not even sending flight tickets to players to uh, come to uh, camp uh, to prepare for a game. You go to big championships and uh, jerseys are not ready. Uh, allowances are not paid and there's just a whole lot of drama between the coach so it's, it's always been that way within the nigerian football you know culture i don't think it's really just about football i think it is the nature of the you know it is the nature of uh, things in nigeria in every facet of nigeria because when a community when a people when a society is not really organized you know it affects different areas of the society and we, we've seen it affecting uh, you know football and uh, nigerian football players we have a lot of talented players all over the world and i feel they need to be treated better you know some of them play in europe and they're used to 
you know, great preparations, great attention by coaches, great attention by the team manager in trying to make sure that they're psychologically and mentally okay for each game. We saw, uh, you know, the drama during the uh, Olympic Games in Rio where Nigerian, the Nigerian team only arrived uh, the same day of the game, which is really, really sad. You don't prepare for games like that. So I, I'm not really, uh, you know, surprised uh, that a lot of other players are actually beginning to say, look, I, don't, I think I've had enough. I'm not ready to continue playing for Nigeria, even though I love Nigeria and patriotic, but I'm not ready to continue to play for Nigeria because of the kind of treatment uh, they get from the Football Federation. Uh, we need to put them fresh. Well, so strong views there from Solomon. Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. And next we hear from another Nigerian, Ogenyi Onazi. Onazi is just 23. He made his Super Eagles debut back in 2012 and played at the 2014 World Cup. Now, somewhat surprisingly, Onazi left Italian club Lazio to join Trabzonspor in Turkey. And Olawashina asked Onazi why he decided to move to Turkey. Uh, is uh, predestined by God because I believe anything that happens is uh, the will of God. And uh, I left uh, Lazio because uh, I was looking for a conducive environment to just have another feel of fresh air. And uh, for me, it's just like a transit to where I'm going to. That transit has always been your dream. And we're looking at English Premier League. Uh, you believe um, playing the Turkish Super League could be uh, a springboard to play in the Premier League someday? Uh, but the special grace of God, because uh, I went to Turkey, I was thinking uh, it's going to be all easy over there, but Turkish League, my friend, is really, really difficult, and there are talents, a bunch of players, and people are coming into Turkey, good players are coming to Turkey now, and the league is getting stronger and stronger. I would say there's no much uh, difference between the Turkish League and Italian League. The most difference I can spot is just the tactical difference of Italian League. And the Europa League is um, a competition you know all about because you've played um, with Lazio in the Europa League. Um, how are you settling to life in the Europa League and, of course, in the Turkish League with Trapson? Well, by the special grace of God, uh, we believe that this season is going to be fruitful for us in a Trapson sport because uh, I know we're starting, we start very late. Uh, we're not doing really good at the moment, but the league is just starting and I believe that we're going to catch up. And this is just, we have a very new team, young team, and uh, we're getting to know each other. And I believe that from the next games, and uh, we start getting our points, our redeem, and then we try to pick up a spot for Europa League. You're a footballer. Every time you talk, you tie everything you say to the will of God, to predestined, and all of that. How much of a role does God play in your decision-making? Well... God play a hundred percent role in my decision making. It's just because we cannot really hear like phone call we make directly that you hear a phone call from God. If not, uh, I will wait for every phone call from God to make my decision. But when you pray and you have feelings and you know that God is speaking to you through something, and this is just what I believe and I know that is just the ultimate because I have nothing else in my life than God. You play in church, you sing, you do all sort of things all in the praise of God. It's rare to see that in a footballer. You earn good money, God has blessed you, yet you still remember him. What's the motivation behind that? Well, if I don't play football, I think I'll go into gospel music because that, is, that has been my passion right from small, football music. And uh, this is something I just always thank God because God gave me a talent to serve him. That is an A+. plus. 
when you're serving God in that way, there's no how you ask from a favor from God and He doesn't answer you unless something is wrong. And so, for me, it's just a privilege for me to be able to serve God in my own little way. You made your Nigerian debut in 2012. So much has happened in your career. You escaped the bomb blast. You came back from a inj- career-threatening injury. I bet God is always on your side. Yes, my brother. You, you, you just even said the list. There is a lot that has happened in my life, and uh, it's all surrounds the grace of God. And this God, it is something that you hear today. day I breathe my last breath on earth because that is the only thing I have on my life. So I give thanks to him. How do you worship? What kind of music do you listen to? What motivational gospel songs do you listen to? And what are those verses or chapters in the Bible that you always turn to when you're in time of need or in time of when you need to communicate with God? Well, I listen to all Christian music provided the music is very good music and the music is enjoyable, good instrumentation because I like uh, good sound, good music. Uh, if you see me in my car or in the house or when I'm going for a match, I get a good sound system where I can listen to good music because when I listen to instrumentation of music, it gives me another morale. That is why we listen to music before we play football. And um, if you see on my football boots, the place they write my name or so many things I do, I always, you always see Psalm 23 on my shoe or whatever, on my boots, they, what they write on the name. Or you see Psalm 17. That, is, that is, has always been my favorite uh, uh, Bible, uh, verse in the Bible to read. And uh, it's encouraging. It tells you everything about God and how God is going to be with you forever. And so this is the most important thing for me. You support charity. You help the less privileged in jaws. You do everything you can. Why? Why? Why do you feel you owe these people or you owe humanity something? Well, if you follow my story right from from the scratch, I was once like them because then when you look for food to eat, you eat just once in a day and uh, you try to make living from life. You try to do everything to make sure you see food to eat try to pursue your future. And so I feel that pain that those people, they, they are feeling now because I once passed through that. And I believe it's just another part of my life that God wants to use me. I think I will go more on that by the special grace of God. As God keep on keeping us and providing for us, we are going to make everything possible. And they will do that to make sure we put smiles on people's face. Because the last thing I will ever see in my life is for me to be rich and see people around me crying. That is, the, that is the worst thing in my life. I want everybody to be smiling. That's Ogeni Onazi of Nigeria speaking to Oluwashina Okaleji on his faith, life in Turkey and his goals. And certainly he's been through a lot already in his life. Well, Onazi's move from Italy to Turkey was something of a surprise. And our European football expert Stuart Weir joins us from the UK. Now, Stuart Onazi says that the Turkish league is at the same level as the Italian Serie A. Uh, would you agree with that? I think it's hard to agree with Onazi on that one. I mean, you have the first question, how do you compare one league with another? But if you take, for example, performances in the Champions League, since 2000, Italian clubs have won the Champions League three times, reached six finals and eight semifinals. In the same period, Turkish clubs have never reached one semifinal. Uh, Galatasaray have twice been in the quarterfinals, Fenerbahce once in the quarterfinals. And 
you know, AC Milan has won the Champions League twice, Inter Milan once, Juventus have been in the final twice. And it's really hard to think that Turkey's football has really reached that level. And if you look at the current UEFA rankings, the top Turkey's team is Galatasaray in 26th best in Europe. Whereas um, there are three Italians in the top 20. So I think the evidence doesn't really support the view that the Turkish Super League is at the same level as Serie A, the English Premier League, the Spanish La Liga. I'm afraid it doesn't. But I mean, saying that, the Turkish League is certainly beginning to attract some top players albeit towards the end of the career. I mean, for example, the German legend Lukas Podolski, uh, well-known at Arsenal and Cologne, is now playing in Galatasaray. And teammate Wesley Schneider is in his fifth season, you know, having played in the World Cup many times for the Netherlands, played for Real Madrid, Inter Milan and so on. And of course, a few years ago, Didier Drogba and Manu Ibui played at Galatasaray as well. And of course, Robin van Persie is currently at Fenerbahce and Samuel Eto'o at Antlaspor. And he scored 21 goals there. So there are certainly some legends of the game playing in Turkey. But as I said, it's rather at the end of their career. Interesting. And you highlighted some of the big names playing in Turkey, Stuart. Uh, Tell us more about some of the African players there. You know, Steve, thinking about Ogeni Onazi moving to Trabzonspor in Turkey... He's got two teammates, Sergi Akapo from Togo and Dam Doy from Senegal, uh, who, of course, played for Hull City and Sunderland. And I was amazed to discover that every team in the Turkish Super League has at least one African player. And Alanispor have actually got 10 African players on their books, which means that there are actually 63 African players playing in the Turkish Super League. So it's clearly a place which is a popular destination for African players. And now the biggest contingent is 12 from Cameroon, but there are also 10 from Senegal and 10 from Nigeria and players from 18 different countries. I suppose the best known would be Samuel Eto'o playing for Antalya Spor obviously towards the end of his career now. But I was fascinated to see several others with Premier League experience. Tukilo Ranti, who of course was at AFC Bournemouth in the Premiership last year, is now in Turkey. And Emmanuel Emaniki, who was at West Ham, the Nigerian player, now playing for Fenerbahce. And Jean Macon, the Cameroon player, who played seven times for Aston Villa. I also found that Alanispor have got a Chelsea player on loan, that is Kenneth Omeru. So with a lot more money in Turkey's football than there used to be, it has certainly become a popular destination for African players seeking experience in Europe. Well, an impressive array of Africans playing in Turkey. Uh, Thanks, Stuart. Uh, Do stay with us. We've got a look at the English Premier League coming up. This is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. Well, still to come on the show, news from the English Premier League as it's the tightest race ever a quarter of the way into the season. 
But now we turn to social media and WhatsApp. And last week we discussed the draw for the 2017 Africa Cup of Nations finals. The hosts Gabon have a good-looking draw in Group A with Burkina Faso, Cameroon and debutants Guinea-Bissau. Group B looks very tough with Algeria, Tunisia, Senegal and Zimbabwe. Defending champions Ivory Coast face Morocco, DR Congo and Togo in Group C, while Group D has Ghana, Egypt, Mali and Uganda. So we asked what you think about the draw, and on Facebook, Bakari Tamba in The Gambia says, Group B is the group of death. Senegal, Algeria and Tunisia are all big footballing nations, but I think Senegal and Algeria will be first and second respectively. And I'm hoping to see a great final in Gabon between Senegal and Ivory Coast, says Bakari. But Felix Masala Kufa in Malawi disagrees. He says Group D is the group of death in this draw, but Egypt and Ghana will go forward. On WhatsApp and Lansana Barrow in the Gambia agrees with both Bakary and Felix, saying Group B and D both look very competitive. Lansana says it'll be very hard to say which teams will make it out, but I believe Gabon can make it to the group stage, although I'm praying for Ghana to win the cup. Lee Sise in the Gambia says it's an interesting draw and I can't wait for January, but my group of death is Group B, where my favourites, the Taranga Lions of Senegal, find themselves. I hope they'll do well alongside the Desert Foxes of Algeria. Samba Anas says it's a fair draw, especially for the host nation Gabon, but watch out for my Guinea-Bissau. The debutants will surprise the whole world, says Samba. Over to the United States now, and Gemo says, I'll say that for the first time, it's hard to predict how the tournament will unfold based on this draw. The majority of the qualified countries are stepping up their game, and I'm anticipating a very interesting tournament. Yeah, that's a true Gemo. There could be some upsets, and Lamine Sane in the Gambia feels the same. He says, well, the draw is fair, and I'm predicting an early exit for a few of the so-called big nations of football. Likewise, some minnows will go far, says Lamine. Also, I'm expecting more fluent football and flair from the smaller nations. Paul Mauya is in Malawi. He says, now football is becoming tricky. You can't predict any more, so I say let the best team win, but I'm putting my money on Zimbabwe. Well, glad to hear that, Paul. We're certainly hoping for the best here in Zimbabwe. Uh, Moses in the Gambia says, I think it's a good draw, and I'll back my neighbour Senegal for success in this tournament. Bai Mata Sanyang, also in the Gambia, says, It's been a fair draw, although, as you mentioned, Group B looks very tough. Uh, my Super Eagles aren't in the tournament, but we expect it to be an entertaining competition come January. Yes, it's still hard to believe that Nigeria will be missing from the finals. Obina is from Nigeria. He says it's a good draw, but it's sad that Nigeria didn't make it. Ebrima Ambo Barrow from the Gambia is currently in Palermo, Italy. He says it's a fair draw for Gabon. I think they'll go through with Cameroon. Uh, but Group B is so much tougher, says Ebrima. I put my money on Senegal and Tunisia to proceed to the next round. In Group C, Ivory Coast and DR Congo are the favourites to qualify. And in Group D, surely Ghana and Egypt will go through. Usman Obi Turai in the Gambia says it's a fair draw, but my team Senegal hasn't made its mark for quite a long time. But I hope it's going to be their year and this time that they can do it. 
And Sonny Armstrong in Cameroon says African football has come of age. And Sonny says host Gabon should be happy with their group. Cameroon is still coming out of a harsh period. And Burkina Faso have an ageing team, while Guinea-Bissau will try to play their best. But uh, my cry, says Sonny, is about the lack of African coaches. Well, thanks, and we'll discuss that point about African coaches in the coming weeks here on Planet Sport Football Africa. And on the CAF Champions League, we heard from Cherno Jallo in the Gambia. He says congrats and bravo to the Brazilians for winning the CAF Champions League. They surprised everybody on their way to the finals. Uh, the Brazilians, by the way, the nickname for South Africa's Mamelodi Sundowns. Well, this week we're asking, who do you think will win the English Premier League? We'll hear shortly from Stuart that it's the closest contest ever at this stage of the season. Send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. We'll go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa. So let's focus more on the English Premier League now. Uh, Stuart Weir is still with us. And uh, Stuart, Nigeria's Ahmed Musa got his first goal for Leicester last weekend. Yes, that was uh, interesting because one of his problems is actually getting in the team. And it was fascinating to see that Leicester actually started with Musa and Islam Slimani with Jimmy Vardy, star striker last year, on the bench. I think Musa will be a great squad player. How many starts he gets remains to be seen. But, you know, he was far from being the only African to score in the Premier League at the weekend. Yannick Balassi from DR Congo scored his first for Everton. And Sadio Mane from Senegal got his fourth in eight games for Liverpool. You know, I wondered if Mane would struggle to get a regular place at Liverpool, but he's doing extremely well. And again, interesting to see that at the weekend, Daniel Sturridge, top English striker, was an unused sub with Mane playing the whole game. And then Manchester City's Kelechi Ehenacho from Nigeria came off the bench to score the equaliser against Southampton. And it all leaves the top of the table in an incredibly tight situation with Manchester City, Arsenal, Liverpool equal on 20 points, Chelsea and Tottenham one point behind on 19. So that's five clubs separated by one point. And you know, Steve, that has never happened going all the way back to 18 and 88 to have five clubs separated by one point at this stage of the season. Wow, so it's never been so close at this point. So Arsenal doing well in second place after nine games and manager Arsene Wenger made some interesting comments when asked about the prospect of retiring. Yes, well, he was celebrating his 67th birthday when they played Middlesbrough, which actually makes him just four years away from becoming the oldest ever Premier League manager after Sir Bobby Robson. But... Wenger was asked a bit about his future, and he said, am I frightened of stopping? Yes, of course I am, because I would miss what I love. I've never liked the word retirement. We are there to be active and fight. Life is no other issue than to fight until the last day of your life as much as you can. And now I am focusing on the next game. I have to win it. I don't think about my age. So it doesn't suggest that he's any intention of leaving early. He also said one rather amusing thing, that at the end of his life, he uh, was confronted by God, 
who said, do you want to come into heaven? What have you done with your life? And Wenger said, the only answer I can give him is I have tried to win football games. And if God says to me, is that all you've done? Then I'll say, it's all I've done, but it's not as easy as it looks. Yes, I'm sure it's not that easy. And uh, Stuart, we talked about Odion Igalo last week. The Nigerian isn't doing as well for Watford this season as he was last season. And you have an interesting idea as to what's wrong. I think I know why he got left out of the team uh, last week, Steve. He needs to grow a beard. Because in that game against Middlesbrough, eight of the Watford starting team had facial hair including Isaac Success, the fellow Nigerian, and Nordic Amrabat. So it seems that at Watford, if you want to get ahead, you need to get a beard. And by the way, Steve, you'll be surprised to know this is the first time any Premier League club has ever fielded a team with eight bearded players. <laughs> uh, that is some statistic. And uh, I must say, most of us on the Planet Sport Football Africa team don't have beards. Well, that's it for the show for this week. But on WhatsApp and on Facebook, tell us who do you think will win the English Premier League? As Stuart pointed out there, for the first time since the start of the English Football League, way back in 1888, only one point separates the top five teams a quarter of the way into the season. So who do you see taking the title? Could it be Kelechi Iheanacho's Manchester City, Alex Iwobi's Arsenal, Sadio Mane's Liverpool, Victor Moses's Chelsea, or Victor Wanyama's Tottenham or maybe someone else. Send us your thoughts uh, on WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. We'll go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa. Tell us who you think will win the English Premier League. Or from me, Steve Vickers in Zimbabwe, from Solomon Ashoms in Nigeria and Stuart Weir in the UK. Thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.